Welcome to Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin. This episode brought to you by Coffee Cups. Can you think of something better to keep your pens in? My guest is Tom Ruprecht. That's Ruprecht, like the German Santa Claus. You'll learn more about that later. Apparently it was a prick. Tom Ruprecht, however, not a prick. A very pleasant man who has a special talent for writing down words in a very specific order so as to elicit laughter from anyone who reads those words. He did this for many years for The Late Show with David Letterman. He wrote an episode of How I Met Your Mother. He wrote for the sitcom The Goodwin Games. And he has a couple of books, the latest of which is available on Kindle as we speak. Well, as I speak. As you listen. Unless you're actually also speaking right now, in which case, rude. Hello? Do you listen to your mother with those ears? The book is This Would Drive Him Crazy, a phony oral history of J.D. Salinger. And it's very funny. Otherwise... I wouldn't have him on the podcast. That's how we roll here at Writer's Block. We have a zero-dud policy. Tom is an excellent laugher, and this episode is full of genuine chuckles, including when Tom reveals his own relatively unique route into getting a staff job writing for a comedy show. First step, get a staff job doing something else at that comedy show. Then write funny pieces for the New York Times op-ed section and hope your co-workers take notice. I was not leaving articles around, but I was <laughs> I, I, I was hoping that someone would notice. And of course, you know, I had a lot of friends there, and so friends would know something was in there, and then so people would pass around, and so word would get out, and right, like yeah. they would always put it on that day's script cover, that like, hey, Tom, you know, got a piece, because, you know, oh, great. you know, people... Tom got a piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> mean a few things. I mean... <laughs> that's, that's what an odd thing to put no, on the cover of a they, script. They knew it wasn't like that. They... Crazy operation <laughs> over there. <laughs> Tom got a piece. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Tom talks about how you sometimes have to be patient when you get a comedy writing job because it can take a little while to find the right voice and begin to create unique and original material that suits the show. We get a little bit of the day-to-day operation over at The Late Show and how Letterman himself had a hand in everything he did, even though he wasn't exactly a regular presence, let's say, in the common areas of the building. Tom discusses how hard it can be to write comedy with someone who's not very good at writing comedy which brings him to his own definition of writer's block. In short, don't be so damn picky with your words, especially the first time around. We talk about deadlines and how to simply meet them. No tricks, you just do it. Keeping in mind that you almost always get at least a second chance. It's called rewriting, and it's when true quality most often rears its beautiful head. And of course, we discuss Tom's book and how and why he came up with the concept and actually turned it into a product. This is episode 23 with my guest Tom Ruprecht. You're part of the writer's block now. Good choice. Tom, which state am I thinking of? <laughs> you say... I say? Yeah. Uh, Montana. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, oh, dude. that's great. Yeah, when you pull it, you pull it, just pull it on a friend of yours out of the blue. That's and really good. <laughs> I think uh, we're, I'm here with uh, Tom Ruprecht. We're here with Tom Ruprecht. I'm getting that right, right? I'm, yeah, you got to get yeah. the, you got to get the C up in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Like it. It's it's uh, my understanding is Ruprecht is the German, like it's their Santa Claus. Is that right? Yeah. This, uh, this, that sounds like a... This might be debunked, because I've never actually Googled it, but supposedly there's this guy, Count Ruprecht, who goes around on Christmas night with a, a bag of candy and a stick, 
and the good children get candy <laughs> and the bad kids get the uh, get the whack. Tom Ruprecht, longtime writer for uh, Letterman. Not wor- you're not working there anymore? No, I left. Not at all. How about yeah. that? Tough uh, to do? Tell uh, me about that. You were there for 12 years? No, I was actually there for 17. Okay. I, I was a writer for 12. It's funny because the internet has some different numbers. So I don't know. <laughs> That's the first I, time I, I heard know. of the internet being wrong. I don't know what to trust anymore. Well, well I, I, was a, I was a writer for 12 years, but I actually worked at the show for 17. Like, I started as an intern in college and, like... Oh, you were started as an intern there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rory, Rory Albanese was an intern there. Okay, do you know when? Uh, I don't. Don't, but it had to have been twenty years ago okay. or something. You know? All right. well, he was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> what a guy. Um, but uh, no, it, I had a I had a great time there. But it's uh, it was it's also fine to leave. You know, it's. I mean, I don't know how you feel. It's it, it's it's a grind doing the Daily Show. And it is. Um, yeah, and I, I found I have not missed it. Like there, there has been no story in the news that I'm like, oh, I wish I was, you know, back at the old shop and could do jokes about this. I kind of feel like I got that out of my system. That's, right, right. I suppose I could feel that way as well. It's, it's, it's an interesting story. Why, you know, like how I'm still there. It just unfolded in a certain way. Plus, I'm gutless and, <laughs> and talentless. Right, right, right. Those were so, the, those were the so, two. Yeah. yeah, I figured. And make I, no mistake, I'm unemployed, so it's not like. Oh, yeah, right, exactly. I've <laughs> seen, I mean, you're 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 right to stay. I've I've seen the other side through friends. I've uh, I've told people that uh, uh, when it's all over, I will write my book, and it will be titled uh, um, "By a Thread: My My Thirty Seven Years at the Daily Show." <laughs> So look for that in stores yeah, yeah. on on whatever version on Kindle seventeen point <laughs> When did you? So when did you leave? I left like I guess it's close to like two years ago now. Two years ago, and and I, I but I, I saw that you also wrote. Did you write for Goodwin Games? Yes, I, 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 I and, uh, and and How I Met, I Met Your, Met Your Mother. Mother. Yes, on staff. Uh, how I Met Your Mother was I'm, I'm friend the guys who created How I Met Your Mother Carter are Vays yeah and, Craig and Thomas Craig are Thomas. Letterman guys they're in the they're, they also comment on J.D. Salinger in your new book yes they do yes yeah. yes I worked hey, there. I'm like wait a minute yeah. here <laughs> also uh, uh, Gerald Mulligan I yes guess. yes uh, um, so they uh, they they created How I Met Your Mother so after I left uh, Late Show I went out there and did an episode of that and then they with Chris Harris who also is an old Letterman guy they created the Goodwin Games and so then I moved out to LA and uh, oh they created the Goodwin Games as well. yes yes did you work with uh, Rachel Axel yes yes yeah. I, she's great yeah she, yeah yeah hard to say she's not great <laughs> hi Rachel let's say hi hi Rachel hi uh, Rachel no I was a big fan of hers well I still am I just don't see her I, yeah, I, yeah. it's, it's always kind of a funny way to putting it I was a big fan <laughs> back when she was worthy of my fanhood <laughs> Where is she, what has she done for me lately yeah of course her, her big public meltdown and now I have to just that, distance, so, distance myself from Rachel that was her I, I swear I, I thought that was uh, what the fuck uh, I missed the pop culture Amanda reference Bynes, Amanda Bynes maybe Bynes. Yeah, how about that? I'm out of the game, and I yeah. still remember the... Still beat me to it. Maybe it's because we don't do so many Amanda Bynes jokes oh, really? on the Daily Show. Which is another re- another way to stay in it, is that like there's there's there are relevant things that you're dealing with. It's an interesting like yeah. I could I I think writing sketches and and monologue jokes about Amanda Bynes for a certain amount yeah. of time would be like all right yeah. let's. 
Let's go see what it, uh, what Carter has for me. It's uh, you mentioned Gerard Mulligan, who he was a longtime Letterman. I mean, he he started writing for Dave when Dave yeah, was hosting, yeah. and he was on he was on the air all the yeah, time yeah, too yeah. in various. But he was, capacities. I mean, he wrote you know when Dave had a morning show at NBC, CBS. Wow. He was with Dave for all this. So he retired a couple of years ago, and you know we still having been there, having been with Dave for probably thirty years, close to thirty years, yeah, yeah. and. Jerry and I have lunch every, you know, month or two. Mm-hmm. And invariably he says, you know, it is just it is just so nice to not have to read oh, page six every day. Yes. And to not have to fill my mind with Britney Spears or that. But invariably then during the lunch, he will talk about Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear that he's still reading page six every day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and probably jotting to and tweeting. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. You get your rocks off that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I have another question for you. Yeah. Another reason I'm sort of happy to have left is I just feel like with Twitter, it's just getting so crowded with topical humor. And and just anytime you think of a joke, it feels like somebody's already tweeted that joke. Is that um, becoming well, more of a problem for you, you know, in the last couple of years? It's that, that's not really a problem for... Us so much because on Twitter there aren't quite there aren't necessarily quite as many jokes mm-hmm. about the type of stuff that we mm-hmm. do. Oh, There's a lot of links. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, no. the Daily Show yeah. is above it. We're above it. it. We're yeah, above yeah, yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> we're way above it. Yeah. The problem is, yeah. it's we're, we're hi. I'm Jr. Havel. Yeah, we're protected by the fact that no one on Twitter is as good as we are, so no one is writing the caliber <laughs> jokes. Well, well facts are we, facts. <laughs> There's nothing we can, nothing so, you or I can do about it. So we're it. not threatened by it. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, There's no I, point in it. People like me yeah. are threatened by Every it. Every once in a while we, we leave a window open and a Twitter joke comes in and it's like, uh, you know, who put the, who took the screens out? It, uh, it is a different beast though. It, it, yeah. You know, I mean, when people, it's not that people don't joke about the types of things, you know, tell Twitter jokes about the types of things that, that, that we do, but there's probably more just like, Here's a link to this story and doesn't this suck or something like that. It just yeah. plus we're not set up punchline. So, right. You know, I mean right. we we we're you know, we're set up to just kind of like be delivering a different sort of beast. Right, so right. It's it's a, it's it's been a real blessing for a very long time. Yeah. We're now there are a lot of times where it's like, oh, Colbert already did that. But um, even if we're dealing with the same topic at a lot of times it's in a different way yeah. from a different viewpoint. Yeah. Uh, but there are times where somebody will come up with a joke and we all laugh and we put it in the notes and then somebody says, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. But there are also times when it's like, um, they'll also say, what well, Letterman, now Letterman did that joke or, yeah. or you yeah. know, SNL did that joke. Yeah. And so, and uh, I, but those are individual jokes and and our, our system is like, the jokes come later. We're yeah. trying to figure out how to package the stuff. You have an that. attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Joke, right. jokes are easy. Uh, <laughs> Although it limits all of our Twitter because a lot of times we would want to tweet on stuff that we're thinking about doing on the show, and we just kind of can't. Right. And by and then by the time you can, right, it feels a little old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, so a lot of my Twitter stuff, yeah, is either. Hey, listen to the Writer's Block podcast. What a great podcast this guy over there's got going. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or uh, uh, this totally unrelated guy. 
who I just stumbled on. But this, man, what this a stroke of luck. Anonymous, when is he going to reveal himself? Yeah, this cartoon. <laughs> this mysterious. Um, and, uh, and nonsense. Okay. And most of my tweets are just nonsense yes. stuff. You know? So now, after you left uh, Letterman, yes. we'll get back to this. Okay. First of all, you, you started as an intern there. Yes. Uh, from where? Like just kind of out of college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Out yeah. of college intern and then yeah. interning for just a semester or something? Or? I actually, um, I, I interned for a semester and then they actually, they asked me to stay another semester. <laughs> which Because you were such a great unpaid uh, intern. I mean, yeah, exactly. But, but it's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is pathetic for me to be actually... <laughs> That's what this is all about. For, for years, I viewed this as actually a compliment, but uh, no. <laughs> now you just realized. Oh my they god! They really sold it to me as we never do this. Yes, but the but the but the, but the payoff is definitely yeah. you know twelve more years of gainful employment. Yeah, so I think you're okay. Uh, so yeah, so I uh, yeah, so I did the internship there. I went back, finished college, and then it was like you know I worked on like the human interest guests and. Um, and I, I wanted to write, but I was really worried that, you know, because you're, because a lot of writers get fired, you know, and you're on these 13-week contracts, and that petrified me, because I was kind of yeah. like, you know, I have a stable job here. I don't know if I want to risk becoming a writer. And, what, what was your job? What do you mean? Well, like, like, you know, I had a staff position, like, as a, you know. Oh, worker. after the internship, then they had yeah, hired yeah, yeah, yeah. you as something. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, so I was on staff, and it was like, I wasn't going to get fired, you know? And I was like, but do I, I want to become a writer, but do I risk Didn't it? Didn't they know at that time that you wanted to be a writer? Well, I didn't, I hadn't told anybody, because, okay. because also you don't want to be the annoying guy. Of, sure, yeah. You know, so, so what I started doing is I started writing um, humor pieces for the New York Times, which, as you know, <laughs> loves humor pieces. Yeah. Uh, no, but I started writing like op- funny op eds, and then I wrote a piece for GQ, and suddenly that got everybody at the show's attention, and they were like, "Well, why aren't you writing here?" And oh, that's so, awesome. So yeah. then, then they kind of presented as we'd like you to write, and so then I was like, "All right, well." Yeah, but were you like leaving copies of those things on people's? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, that did, fell out. Oh, I'm sorry. Get there, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God, what's in my salad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a piece, my piece from GQ. <laughs> yeah. How did that I'm, get in there? I'm just reading the New York Times op-ed here. <laughs> I, <laughs> the opposite way, <laughs> yeah. like it's unfolding facing out. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, that is just shocking. <laughs> so you're you did the work outside, which is great. Yes. With the kind of intention of like I, practicing I, and potentially getting noticed. It with I at was, this point, you're thinking like I think I might want to be a writer yes, on this. Show. I, yeah, yeah. I, I was not leaving articles around, but I was <laughs> I, I I was hoping that someone would notice. And of course, you know, I had a lot of friends there, and so friends would know something was in there, and then so people would pass around, and some word would get out, and right, like yeah. they would always put it on that day's script cover that like, hey, Tom, you know. Got a piece, cause you know. Oh great! You know, people... Tom got a piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mean a few things. I mean... That's, that's what an odd thing to put no, on the cover of a they, script. They knew for it letters. wasn't that. They crazy operation <laughs> over there. Tom got a piece. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so yeah, so so yeah, so people found out, and and uh, yeah, I guess I guess that was. And then did you still have to submit and do a whole thing? Uh, or did they just say, "Hey, welcome aboard"? No, they they actually did ask me to still do a packet yeah, just sure. to make sure right. that, you know, I had the show's voice inside the packet and they liked it. And what was that packet? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was the, some top 10 lists. I think, I think they give you, uh, some topics and then you do one where you come up with your own topic and then just a couple pages of just new ideas for the show. 
Oh, for for new like segments like yeah. you know, does it float? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Did any of it? Did you get any of it on the air? I th- you know, I I think I found the way things that worked at Letterman is there sort of there are so many reasons a piece will get killed. Either you know. Dave's been doing this for 30 years, so we've done it already. We've yeah, you didn't know. No, we did this in 78. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just seems like, you know, there are a million things like, oh, well, you know, we can't do that because you can't shoot on the roof on Wednesday. Yeah, you know, and like, and so I find that anyone who your first, you know, month or, you know, you're just pitching stuff that can't work for until you figure out what all the trap doors are. And then you realize these are my parameters and, you know, so... Right. So I think I think most stuff written by an outsider can't work, you know. I, you, were you doing were you doing sketch or monologue at the time, or both? <clears throat> sketch. So you came right in as sketch. Yes, but you still write some monologue jokes when you're in sketch, right? Uh, it's pretty. It's it's pretty separate. There are a couple monologue guys, and then sketch the rest are do sketches. Um, I would occasionally, you know, just have a monologue joke that I'd think of and give it to them and you know so I would occasionally do that but so wait wait what what years were these that you were there uh I I was a writer from 98 to like 2010 so were you there in 96 uh I was working there in 96 but I was on the show in 96 uh doing stand up yeah yes you were great me and me, me <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> I have was been semi real. No, 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 seriously. I have been so swamped the last 25 years, and I, I haven't had a chance to tell you, but you were great. Uh, <laughs> this is what this is all about. You can go now. I've been holding your, it in. Your ego is so yeah. fragile. <laughs> That's right. I've been waiting a very long time. Yes. And just kind of wondering. And then, and yet, when you come in today, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, we've met, right? Yeah. And you said yes a couple of times, and yeah. my wife says hello. Yeah, you met my wife. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be awkward. The woman who had my children. <laughs> and also, I don't know if you remember this, uh, but it meant a lot to me. <laughs> now that I'm reminded, now that we talk about, I used to do these um, New York Times op-eds. Um, one of them... I do remember I this. wrote... I know I got, what you're saying. And I, I did not know you, but you wrote me a, a little note that I said, did. I really thought this was funny. And yeah. I thought that was such a nice gesture and uh, it meant a lot. That was some time ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I can't yes. remember the piece. Do you it remember was, the piece? It was, it was like... Um, I think it was called like Let's Go Jupiter. The Times changed the name of it, but it was essentially like Let's Go Jupiter. It was a fake travel guide to if you want to go to Jupiter this summer. Yeah. And so it was all kind of written very you know, rah-rah, vacationally, sing-song tone, but just taking you through all just the various ways you'll Yeah, I remember that, and that was, that that was a, um, that, you know, I mean, that's something that I'll do every once in a while, but not that often, because Mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of, it's very out of the blue, but, but I, you know, I, I read Tom's piece in the, in the, in the Times, and, and it said, you know, Eamon, the byline, and were you working on Letterman? I was a writer at that point. Okay, writer over at Letterman, and so I just like, uh, I I don't know if your email was on the thing or what, but I just got your email and, and it wasn't, I think it was, I think it predated email. This was an actual card. Oh, I sent you a card? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh my God, what is wrong with us? Made from human skin. I didn't, I didn't even have my 56k modem yet. Good lord! What about my? I didn't even have like my 28k modem yet. I must have had a 28. No, it was it was, a, uh, it was an actual a physical card. Wow, God! It was, it was a touching gesture. It also might be the gayest thing I've ever done. 
Was there a pressed flower in it? ask you actually about Letterman before we move on to yes. a little bit of sitcom stuff yes. and some some uh, I'd like to talk about some early influences that you have and then we'll talk about your book okay during the time that you're there because you're there for an extended period of yes. time now, it, it, how did the show uh, change its or did it at all change its process over those times uh, and was that is that does Dave drive any of that or did that depend on like whether or not Rodney's the head writer or whether or not you know it, it, most things were driven by Dave it was I mean it his stamp is on everything. Right. And so does, does he kind of dictate? Like, yeah. Does he say, like, I want to start doing this different or that different? Or yeah. It, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And, um, and I mean, you know, a, a lot of it is, uh, you know, there's some, just one notice, one thing I've noticed that grad, that sort of changed every year uh, was, you know, he's been doing it a long time. I think, you know, He's done a lot of jokes, and so I, I think what he's what he's great at, and what interests him more and more, is just sort of talking at the desk. And so, you know, I think I think with each passing year, it's you know you're you're doing a little less written comedy, and you know, yeah, I mean, we're still writing the same amount, but it's it's you know, I think what excites Dave, he fills a lot, he fills a lot of time, because he has stuff he wants to talk about, and he's comfortable enough with it, and he's and he's so good at, yeah, so. The show did change in just the process. I mean, like you, uh, yeah. How does uh, you know? Just go. Give me a quick kind of like, like uh, how the how the day goes a little bit over there. Like we used to do, you know, a lot of classic, you know, sort of desk pieces, you know, you know, prop pieces, and then you know a skit halfway through the show, and then and over the years it's become a lot more. The comedy has become a lot more just uh, video pieces that Dave can throw to, and so so. Towards the end of my time there, your day was pretty much dominated with coming up with those, editing those. Um, you had to get, did you go out and shoot them as well? I used to, for a bunch of years, I did like the remotes. So I would go to like the Super Bowl with Biff and like I did all that oh, stuff. Okay, yeah. But the things I'm talking about are more like, you know, fake political commercials where right, you're just right. bringing in a voiceover yep. guy. And so you would just, you know, so your afternoon was spent editing those right. and writing top tens. Right. So that's, that's sort of Oh, that, But everybody does top tens? Or? Yeah. 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 Um, but when you when you submit stuff mm-hmm. or when you did submit stuff, mm-hmm. that would it be sort of like here's the idea. If you like it, I'll work on it more. Uh, yeah. I mean, how you know? The, there's there's a lot of communication throughout the day. Yeah, the day starts with pretty much like an hour and a half long pitch meeting where we're all just kind of you know going through the newspaper and throwing out ideas, and then at the end of that meeting, um, you know, there are some ideas that are you know decided to, okay, you write this, you write this, you write this, those go to Dave, Dave kind of decides what he, what interests him. But uh, Dave wasn't involved in those things. I mean, he's not, he wasn't, he was he's never directly there with you. No. Yeah, there was no. not a lot of that. No. Yeah, I, you know, Dave, uh, you must have known David Jabberbaum as well. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and he worked over there for a year. Yes. And, uh, um, and when he came to The Daily Show, he said that, uh, uh, he said that he, during that time, he met Letterman twice. <laughs> The day he was hired and the day he left. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty standard. But he was, I mean, just because, I mean, I think I just simply wore him down because I was there so long. But he, I mean, I would get to see him sometimes and he was always very nice to me. And so... So 
you left there. You're uh, friends with Carter and or Craig and Cra- friends with both Carter of them. Bays and Craig Thomas. Yes. And Chris Harris also created Goodwin Games with them. Okay. Yeah. And and they give you a script for How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. I I just um I kind of flew out there and was out there for like a month and it was just basically they had sort of sort a, of like consulting producer you ended up being or something kind of thing. Uh. It, that that was just I just went out and wrote an episode. Oh, okay, yeah, right. And so it was like I went out there, and they had just the very you know they just kind of told me like okay here here's where we're we're at with our season where our characters are where you know and so then it was just you know a couple of weeks of me in a room with some other folks you know breaking the story and then I kind of wrote the the script. Did you have much experience with with writing? Sitcom scripts or anything? No, that, no, that was Just my not first. At all. That was my first. Uh, yeah. How so? How'd that go? Was that was it was it at all daunting, or were you like, oh, this is you know, not that it's going to be easy, but it was. It's a style, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was daunting in as much um, as actually while I was out there, there you know there was for for silly reasons they they had to flip flop two episodes. So uh, Carter came up to me, and you know the the original plan was I was going to come back to New York and write have two weeks to write the episode but suddenly they wanted to move my episode up and so it was okay now you're going to stay now in california crunch time and you have a weekend to write it. Oh my God. so that that was daunting but but as he was telling me this carter was like but this is i mean letterman has prepared you for stuff like this yeah like, right you yeah. know like working at an everyday show the way you are you know like it's i think he was like people who've just done sitcoms would be a little more freaked out about this whereas I think doing doing a show every day teaches you to write quickly. And Steve O'Donnell, who was the head writer for Letterman at the old show, mm-hmm. he he before he was a TV writer, he had a job writing um, greeting cards, like in Cleveland or something. The one I sent you, probably. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And uh, so his first day at the greeting card company, he you know wrote like fifty greeting cards. You know, and then went to lunch and like handed them in, and the office was just floored because it was like guys usually handed in like two a week. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's but there's there's a flip side to that too. I remember talking to somebody. I can't remember what show it was on, um, but it was a friend of mine that had written for say like you know Bill Maher or something like right. that. Say so he's writing for Bill Maher. So they hire some guys who's supposed to be like Mr. Johnny prolific guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he comes in and kind of doesn't really even say anything to anybody and he goes through the thing and then yeah. you got to go off and write your jokes. And he said he said the guys in there and all you hear is like the underwood just go in, you know, like, and and uh, um and just like just typing the whole time and just going yeah. and going and going and yeah. then it was just pages and pages of just shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just real shit. So that's like you know you still have to give them something good, yeah. But giving it, uh, uh, giving it to them on time, yeah. and a lot of it is, uh, is 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 a huge thing in this business. I mean, that's a, that's an yeah. interesting kind of automatic training thing that serves you well later when you work on yeah. daily shows. Is that and you're so used to like, oh, I only, I, you mean I have the whole weekend to do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, not like. Yeah, to your point though, that that, that can be a negative because I've worked with people who are like, you know, like fancy themselves as Mister Joke Machines. And they churn out stuff, but they churn out a lot of junk. Mm-hmm. And like when you're like, there are a lot of times where it's you know, the show, you know, Dave's not happy with the top ten list, and so right as the show's starting, he throws out the top ten list, and we have to write a new one, you know, as the show's going on. And and so everyone's in the conference room, and it's like the floor of the stock exchange. You, you know, you gotta you right. gotta hammer out a bunch of jokes, and you have guys there sometimes who just throw out shit, 
and just like it kills the momentum of everyone else and like they're you're in a room all together yeah, coming and up with it you have a topic just, but you have to yeah and they're just soaking up oxygen because they need to pitch you know 10 consecutive jokes all of them are useless you know and it's just like at, at those points it's just like rather than holding up that's an interesting that that then that's a common thing that at, at uh at the daily show we call it a, a gang yeah um all the time during the day uh, we have uh, gangs where like they have a setup but they want a certain punchline to it so we'll have a sound bite from somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes there's guidance sometimes there's not we get in a room together and we do them yeah the thing I always had to deal with is you know I, I mean it it's it's no secret that that Letterman can be a bit of a curmudgeon you know there are third yeah, I've heard I've he, heard tell of certain stories he's you know he's he's there are times when he's not happy with the material and so I, I just sort of another hurdle I would have that in those crisis modes is not only do you have to come up with something on the spot very quickly but also like you just have the added psychological hang up that dad's angry you know because it's always like Dave's ripped up yeah. the top yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. and pr- Dave's yeah, pissed about the material and, and if he has of, to get, if he has to rip up more it's not good yeah and so it's like you know it's you're, you're in crisis mode and you're also feeling like you got a pit in your stomach because it's like oh you had the bosses angry <laughs> boy so that's like that's something I don't miss <laughs> um We'll take a little break and then we'll uh, talk a little bit more about that. And then uh, we will also talk about your book, uh, This Would Drive Him Crazy, A Phony Oral History of J.D. Salinger. Yes. Uh, I'm here with freelance writer Tom Ruprecht. <laughs> yes. And we'll be right back. <laughs> hey, y'all. Quick reminder, Writer's Block is a proud member of allthingscomedy.com. Check out what they have to offer including one of my favorite podcasts, The Flophouse, featuring two of my co-workers, Elliot Kalin and Dan McCoy. Why pay for a shitty movie when you can listen to hilarious people shit on that movie for free? Do yourself a favor and listen to The Flophouse. Also, subscribe to Writer's Block on iTunes and make sure you leave a review, which I assume will be glowing. And write to us at writersblockpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about anything, not just the podcast. What do you think about this year's peach crop? Is it up to par? Did you see the latest episode of Wipeout? I want to know. And finally, don't forget to keep your ear holes open for my message immediately following this episode and all of my episodes, which includes, as always, my suggested episode from the WBP archives. Now let's get back to Tom Ruprecht, author of This Would Drive Him Crazy, a phony oral history of J.D. Salinger. Before we took that uh, little uh, break, we were um, talking about rushing to get jokes written, yes, kind of under pressure, yeah, which is definitely an interesting situation, but something that uh, uh, you and I, having written for these shows and yeah. people like us, um, probably have a uh, uh, certain we have more practice at it, so maybe we're a little more skilled at it, yeah, than, yeah. than an average comedy writer, yeah. Um, you know, it's just. People might say, like, how do you do that or what do you yeah. do? But it's just, you just don't have a choice. You exactly. just do it. Exactly. And you're able to kind of, like, lock out the pressure and and, and click into the comedic side of your brain and keep trying to tell a joke, keep yeah. trying to think funny. Yeah. And it's just something you deal with so often that it's, like, as kind of part for the course. I'm not saying... I don't get knots in my stomach sometimes, yes. or feel like oh, I'm not pulling my own weight. Yeah, like I like I remember we talk about those those sort of crisis mode times. Um, there was one where 
the show had started, we needed a new top ten list. This wasn't because uh, Dave was unhappy. It was it, there, some some news had broken, and we wanted to do a top ten list about it. And I forget what the story was, but most of the writers were still off editing their pieces because it was just a crazy day, and the show was starting, and pieces weren't done, so people were off editing. And and it was during a time when we had a pretty small staff, and so there there was a new um, top ten needed. And I go into the conference room, and it was just me. And this other guy who was on his way to getting fired, like a guy who was oh my <laughs> kind God. of a useless guy. And like, so yeah, I really had a thought right there of this would be a really bad time to get writer's block, you know, because yeah. it was like I had to write the list in 10 minutes, you know, by myself. Um, and I do kind of, I do kind of believe that writer's block is, I don't want to say it's an excuse, but, but I do feel like. If, well, I if would, you have to write, you're right. You yeah, know? and I, I maybe something like that comes up more for, say, when you're writing a book or when yeah. you're in an isolated situation, you know, that whole like, oh, I'm at a cabin writing this book. Right. And I woke up and I can't think of anything or I'm just not getting anywhere with it. I guess I view writer's block, um, it's maybe a case of being a little too precious, I think. And and, and I'm, I think I have, you know, at times fallen prey to it now that I'm not in a... Precious about currently what you're putting on the page. Exactly, yeah. Rather yeah. than trusting that, like, look, this is a first fucking draft. Just put something down. It's, yeah. It's when, when, when you're at The Daily Show, when you're at Letterman, you don't have the luxury of endless time. You have to write, you know? Right. And so you churn stuff out and, ergo, you don't have writer's block because you, you're you're not allowed to. <laughs> you, know, yeah, you, yeah. you have to keep producing <laughs> yeah, you stuff. Are, you are not allowed to. And and I found that now sort of uh, I'm on my own, uh, I find the day can pass without, you know, writing a lot. And I don't know if that's writer's block or I'm just being a little too precious about, you know, mm, that idea doesn't really move me so I'm not going to sit down at the computer. Which can also write. just be like a classic procrastination thing. Exactly. And, and, and I think, and I get mad oh, at myself. I forgot I got to go get bananas. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, you get your pen, you get your computer, you get the laptop, yeah. file, you put it up, and shit, bananas. Yeah. I'm supposed to go get bananas. Bananas, yeah, so I can't, I would love to work, but I got, you know, the bananas. Ah. And, and uh, I, yeah, I get mad at myself, because it's like, I find like, I, I mean, I know what the solution is, is to just, who cares what the idea is, just start writing, and you will, you know, you will stumble upon something that you want to pursue. And Right, that's, that's a worth really one. an interesting way to put it, and... Like I said, I think that probably people that are working in a more isolated situation and working on a on a, on a larger thing that is clearly going to take you, like, your deadline is three months, yeah. not three hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a huge difference in yeah. how you write. Yeah. And I think another thing, like, you're talking about at work, like, when you went into that room and had to write a top ten list with a guy that you knew was not going to be a lot of help to you. Yeah. Um... That's usually not the case. Usually people who are on these staffs are good yes. and helpful and yeah. great to be around. Yeah. So that takes a tremendous amount of pressure off of you, yes. which opens up your your ability Creative. to come up with, you know, what, what you're able to come up with yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but that's a different situation from isolation and writing a book, which you have done. The, is it just the two? I've done two books, yes. Okay, you've done two books now. Yes. And both of them oral histories. Both of them fake oral histories. Fake oral histories. Yes. And, and for, were they both for the same reason from that Letterman interview that I saw of yours, which we will post? Okay. Which was shocking that he put you. Yeah, it was great that he it put you on the nice show. It was very nice. Very kind. Right. Of Did yeah. you say it was jump like crazy after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My that was God. great for the book. Wow. But that was, yeah. That was a George, the, or fake oral history of George, George Bush. George W. Bush, yes. George yes. W. Bush. And 
from from that interview, I learned that the reason you did this is because it was easy. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's it's. I'm a I'm a sucker for reading oral histories, uh-huh. and I thought, oh, well, an oral history ergo would be easy to write. And and I thought, but oh, but you'd have to do you know some reporting. You have to travel and talk to people. And then I, and then I landed on a fake oral history. Yeah, <laughs> you just yeah. make up the whole thing. Well, it's most of it. It would <laughs> it would it would seem that that was an interesting thing in the um, in the book. Again, this would drive him crazy. A phony oral history of J.D. Salinger, which is just it's a, it's on Kindle and that's it, right? Yes. All right. It appears like the way that you set it up, there's some italics at the beginning, kind of each, of each yeah. one, which seem to be a fact from yes, something. Yes. And then you go off of that and have on a these, tangent. Yeah. these people like Dr. Carter Bay. Yes, exactly. And yeah, Dr. Yeah. Craig yeah. Thomas. Yeah. I like you made both of them doctors. There's a little kiss ass <laughs> going on there. Hey, doctors. <laughs> Professor. <laughs> President Carter Bay. <laughs> I hope you're listening. But uh, um, then, then you just get to have them say, yeah, like, like they I were. thought. I thought. Whereas so. I think J- J- Jerry Mulligan was the owner of a hardware store. <laughs> store. <laughs> Let's just wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. well, Jerry's, Jerry's retired. He can do nothing to help me. <laughs> uh, we know. can't. We can't ever stop we're, trying to get more work. Whereas Carter, I have. Have you ever? Have you ever thought about being a doctor? Mm. You're, you're just so you just smart. seem like a doctor to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If not having a doctorate. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the, the way I, I, I tried to deal with it with the Salinger thing is, is that, you know, he's a recluse, and so it's like we know certain things about him. And so I kind of felt like, okay, I, I have these pillars, you know, I know he did this, and I know he did this, and I know he did this and this. And so like I have these actual jumping off points but then there's a whole lot of gray there that we don't know about what he was doing and so then I thought oh then you can just fill that in with but then also his daughter wrote a book or yes. something right which had yes. some weird details that he used it. that he they drank his drank, own urine drank his own urine which yeah. which was I think 10 out of the 40 pages of the book yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which related to urine drinking comedy <laughs> which is probably why I got through it so easily this is great Man, this well, this is the urine drinking comedy book I've been waiting yes. for. <laughs> Can I put that on the cover? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, the the I think on the cover of what other people's Kindles? <laughs> are you gonna go around like writing on people's Kindles? J.R. Havlin says, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing down the subway?" Dude, this is my Kindle. God damn it. Um, my the the thing I love the real thing about Salinger that I found out was um, he used to he you know he's a recluse. But he's a man with needs, so he still needs to date and everything. So the thing he would do is he would write, much like you did with me, he would write family. But he would actually do that. Yes. Yeah. And so he... But to... but And did he date... That's what I, I had in there. There was a woman from a sitcom. Yeah. Mr. Merlin. That's yeah. a real... That's that's a real that, thing. That's he based in her. fact. Yeah. So there was this, there was this show oh. in the early 80s called Mr. Merlin. Stupid sitcom about the wizard Merlin now working in present day San Francisco as a grease monkey at a uh, auto shop. Yes. And there's a blonde bimbo on the show named Elaine Joyce. And so... Who you would know if you saw her. Yeah. And so... We've always been led to believe that, you know, sort of Salinger was too beautiful for this world and the world is too materialistic and he had to go up to his cabin in New Hampshire and just write and be apart from society and everything. But no, apparently he's up there watching Mr. Merlin and not only watching it, but he is so turned on by the blonde, 
He yeah. writes her a letter, and they start oh, I love, dating. I love, I love the assumption that he actually would watched like several seasons, <laughs> rather than like maybe stumbled on her in some sort of article in the in the in the art section of the Times. Do you honestly think the Times art section had a big piece on the, yeah. the blonde on Mr. Merlin? No, All right, they, the only of, way to find her was yeah. to watch that show. There's, there's, there are a lot of question marks in this story. Yeah. I like it. Um, but, 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 but then another woman. Joyce but the assumption in the book is that he, he sat there watching this show <laughs> instead of being like a genius recluse. Exactly. He was just having. He was just getting cable installed. Yeah, and you know, watching Mr. Merlin. Right. You know, and, and then there was Joyce Maynard, who was she was an 18 year old woman at Yale who wrote a piece for the New York Times Magazine in the early 70s. Um, it was called An 18-Year-Old Looks Back at Life or something like uh-huh. that. And they put her on the cover, and she was a very cute 18-year-old okay. girl, kind of doe-eyed, you know, uh, very innocent-looking. And uh, Salinger sees her picture in the New York Times magazine. I guess it's hot. And, and it's like, hey, hey, I'm a big fan. By the way, I'm J.D. Salinger. Yeah, and so he, he just writes, wants to get his dick wet. Yeah, he <laughs> writes her, uh, you know, a, a fan letter, and, and, and kind of under the guise of, you know... Publishing, the publishing racket can be very dangerous. Let me guide you through it. Yeah. And within a year, she had dropped out of school and was living with him. And it was just like, well... Uh, and he's 50-something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was 53 and she was 18. And it's like, oh, that's quite the mentor. Wow. That's, see, and that's hilarious. And you, you use that to good effect throughout. Yeah. There was, a, um, there was a great part in the book that was Salinger's original pitch for Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about that? Uh, it's, it's, I have it written that word for word. Okay, it's, if you want me to read it, but I, let me hear what your version of it. It's uh, that he originally saw it as uh, a, a, about it would be about uh, Detective Jack Ketcher. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, who who goes to Rye, New York, <laughs> uh, to figure out who find out who murdered his partner, and then he finds out that he's been double crossed, and his partner's alive and working for the mob, and and that. Move back a little. Okay, and that he, in Salinger's mind, he had a whole series of Detective Jack Catcher novels that he was going to write. And uh, yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, right, and that he was working for the mob. Yeah, and then uh, well, because that's part of the conceit all the way through is that he's actually not very good. No, no, he's a very all. he like he, struck lightning. He is in a, a bottle hack. kind of thing. Yeah, which I have. I mean, I wouldn't have done this if I wasn't a Salinger fan. So uh-huh. I, I obviously think he's a great writer, but. Um, I do. I do. The last thing he produced. But the idea, But that's a that's a comedic idea, and yeah. it's very funny. And then, and there's there's nobody to really say otherwise because yeah, yeah, yeah. prove me yeah, wrong. Yeah, produce the work, JD. Prove me wrong. Um, and and the last thing he ever published was that Hackworth sixteen. Yeah, right. In the, this huge piece that ran in the New Yorker, and it was horrendous. And he never published another thing. And so I do. I do think that there's a possibility that he, you know. His talent had dried up, and uh, he's up there producing really mediocre work. So I kind of ran with that. Or just cranking it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the guy we were talking the about. In the- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like, JD, we're good. We don't need any more. No, 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 I got more stuff for you. Yeah, right. The first laugh that I got out of the book was very quick. It was the first, it was the first entry. It was the first... Um, uh, oral like uh, uh, account from Frank Bird. Is that a friend of yours or something? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So all the names were people. Yes. Were, yeah. who, who I either owe favors to or I want work for. Yeah, yeah, right. 
depending on if they're a doctor yeah, yeah, yeah. in your book. <laughs> That's how you know the difference. Frank is a, Frank's the owner of the hardware. Okay, uh, so yeah. He's, so, it's Frank's so, hardware. So Frank's a guy I went to college with. So I, yeah. I don't... <laughs> Frank's not going to help me professionally. Um, so in Cornish, where, where Salinger moved to, uh, he says, I'm kind of the town's handyman. JD came in one day and said he wanted a fence built around his property. He handed me a photograph of what he had in mind. It was the Great Wall of China. <laughs> <laughs> And that was like right away and, and, uh, yeah. uh, and made me laugh. And then it ended up being a nice thing for you because, or, or that you, you manipulated it in the right way because there really is sort of like touch of like, you know, that could be true because I don't really yeah, know yeah, otherwise. Yeah, exactly. I would love for there to be books. <laughs> yeah, know? and that he was, he was also like a money whore that, in yeah. your book at least. He, yeah. Like everything he did, he would charge... <laughs> He would charge his kid to sign the report card. That's right. Because he didn't like giving out autographs. autographs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and what was it? Kept his daughter from... He, oh, and, and one of the lessons that he's taught his daughter early on was she could write letters to Santa Claus. Yeah. But, um, but he kept her from sending them because releasing, the wor- releasing your writing into the world ruins its purity. Yeah, so he would every... Every year she would write her letter to Santa and then he would ceremonially burn it in front of her. Yeah, yeah. So he was really kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tail chasing, (laughs) untalented asshole who who wrote a book that sold 70 million copies. Um, When you said in the Letterman interview for the the George W. Bush book... uh, uh, that you did this because it was easy. Yeah. It does come across that way. Um, with all due respect, some of the guys who work have written, the ones who have written books, yeah. have written books that seem to be influenced in some way by like America the Book and Earth the Book yeah, yeah, yeah. that are these just dense, yeah. incredibly, like there's so much stuff going on. Yeah. And a lot of the books that some of the, the, the people at work have written are kind of like that, where it's really super high concept yeah. and a lot of different tables and yeah, different yeah, things yeah. happening. Going on. And I, yeah. I read them and I'm like, this is great, it's hilarious, but yeah. I, I like, I, it freaks me out because yeah. I'm like, this would be really fucking hard to do. Yeah. And um, and when I read yours, I... <laughs> that, that, I thought, didn't, that didn't yeah. come up? <laughs> no, no it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic and very relieving, I could do that. <laughs> Which is to take nothing away from it being very funny, but it's, I but I see like but that 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 this might go back to sort of a writer's block thing as well, yeah. where like look, you know, sometimes if your goal is too lofty, you know, your point B, then and yeah. you're starting down here at point A, then yeah. the whole time you're just feeling behind and fucked up. So yeah, like, yeah. you know, like if you if you set it a little differently, then just to get going, yeah. Then once you get going, you'll. Find that you'll jump up there yeah. if you have the talent to do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all joking aside, it, it, it wasn't pure laziness. I really, I really do just yeah, love. I love the fake oral history yeah, format right, because yeah. you can you can just have people reacting to each other and getting into these verbal sparring matches. And, yeah, they and, were. There was the there, there was a yeah, lot of good back and yeah, forth. Yeah, so in that I, I just you know I just, with the with the uh, what was like the plumber or the pool guy who was fucking his wife. <laughs> his wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, so, and then he would walk in on them, and yeah. she, what did she say to him? Well, it's the conceit there is because Salinger got very into sort of uh, Buddhism and the idea that the true seer could see Christ in, you know, odd people, in Christ's presence in odd things and odd the people. The idea. <laughs> and so 
Salinger becomes convinced that this plumber uh, uh, is, is Jesus, right? Is Jesus. And then, and in his first entry, he's actually just a plumber. In the yeah. next entries, he's plumber slash Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Jesus <laughs> with a question mark. Yeah, you know, right, right. Who knows? <laughs> Prove me wrong, plumber. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the plumber is like, uh, okay, yeah, I'm Jesus. You know, now let me bang your wife, or I'm gonna, you know, have locusts descend on your face. You know, and uh, so, yeah, right, right, so right. He he uses that to his advantage. And why not? Yeah. At one point in the in the book, uh, uh, I think Salinger becomes uh, uh, attracted to Jenna Bush. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and tries to pick up on her. Bush, uh, yeah. In, in in 2000, Bush is in New Hampshire for the New Hampshire primary, and uh, their oh, right. path, okay. their paths yeah. cross. And uh, now that well, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Like you, how did you get to that thing? Was okay. it because like oh, the New Hampshire thing? I can I can throw that in exactly. Yeah. Know, in yeah. writing this book, it was kind of like okay, what are my references? You know, what are my Salinger references? I'm gonna screw up the guy's last name, Kenneth Slanowski or something. He wrote uh, J.D. Salinger Life, which. I thought it was a great biography, and it was like I, I was ex- I was sort of intimidated by is there am I gonna or will there be enough facts that I can know about this guy to actually make jokes about? Uh-huh. And his biography was great. It, great. It, it there was it provided me with a lot more knowledge of Salinger than I thought I was gonna get, and so so that was really helpful. As I said, like I I am seriously a very big fan of Salinger, and like I, I mean like one part of the book I really enjoyed writing was was. Um, he has a short story called "A Perfect Day for Banana F- for Banana Fish," yeah, which I think great stuff in there. Which is that. which is like my favorite short story in the world, and the final sentence of it is the the, the protagonist Seymour Glass. Yeah, this was a really funny. Segment. Suddenly shoots himself, and yeah. and it's it's you're, it's just such a shocking ending to the story, and and you know the reader is left to wonder why what prompted this, and and so like I use that serious. That's that's a question that's always stuck with me about that, and it's a serious story that I I love. But then I kind of use it as a launching off point to do a bunch of jokes where it's like early drafts where you know Salinger feels the need to over-explain why he's killing himself and it's all absurd things. Yeah, and that's where you go with it, and then he he sends it to his editor, and his editor's like, uh, "Why don't you like tone this down a little yeah. bit? I don't think you need to make it so obvious. We yeah. can kind of leave some question in the people." The ambig- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then but then Salinger says. Oh, well, um, I, I think I know what you're going for. <laughs> Here's what I'll do. And then he just sells it even more. Even more, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and finally, never gets it. And then finally the guy yeah, just printed just it without it. Yeah. And Salinger never knew because he didn't read it. Yeah, afterwards. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it all plays out really nicely. But you still have to fig- You still have to get to that point. Do you remember any options as to like how you might have dealt with that? Um, I, yeah. I mean, I, I went through a lot of dead ends and, and uh, I'm trying to think of, yeah, which is what some people might call writer's block, but yeah. what, you, what you think of as like, no, can, this... When, that maybe, counts as writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think it's interesting that like maybe, uh, you know, another benefit of having worked on uh, um, a, a show, yeah. th- and this might go for any show because pretty right. much across the board, people yeah. experience this in comedy writing and television writing. Yeah. And that is that a vast amount of stuff that you write, <clears throat> regardless of how good it is, ends up on the floor. Yes, I think that, that that was something when I did the internship at Letterman. That was the, the the thing that really struck me is is because watching TV is such a passive act. Um, it, you as an audience member, you don't realize how much work is going into it. And so once I started working at the show, it was like, oh my god, you know yeah. that 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 you know ninety percent of the iceberg doesn't make it onto the air. You know, like when I first told my dad that I wanted to be a writer at Letterman, um, uh, my dad. Asked very seriously, would that be a full time job? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, I, you don't even know it yeah. exists. And I said, yeah, yeah. And, and he was he was really floored by that. Like, so your whole day would be taken up just writing some jokes, you know? And so Dad, like, think like a modern day Sid Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, 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 there you go. Well, we're off. Here's a cigar. <laughs> Here's something that's just completely unrelated. Um, it, it's it's something that happened to me a couple months ago, and I thought it was goofy. And just because your name is Jr., you're the one person I know who might be interested in it. Yeah. Um, two months ago, my wife and I had a, a baby, and we were. And you named it Jr. We named Jr. No, but um, so you're in the you're in your private room, not, not your private room, your room that you share with another uh-huh. couple, and there's a curtain that's right. up. Yeah. So. For two days, I heard these people, but I never saw them. Right. You know, but you hear them. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I could tell that the guy, the father, was um, fairly dumb. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, just from what I'm hearing, he, he's, he's kind of a stupid guy. All right. Uh, and tired to his credit, yeah, but probably but they, so a little this, dumber. Uh, this was yeah. this was pure stupid. Okay. <laughs> Even after nine so hours of sleep, guy. this guy's waking up he's stupid. A dumb guy. Yeah. So he they've named their kid uh, RJ. Okay. All right. So like an uncle or something is over, and they're talking, and the uncle says, "So RJ, what uh, what prompted the name?" And the the dumb guy goes, "Yeah, I wanted to." Uh, I wanted to be named like uh, the guy from Dallas. <laughs> Did he have a southern accent to this guy? Yeah. He actually was a dumb guy with a southern, southern accent. southern accent. Like the guy. And he did say that? And like, was there like. Like he meant like the guy who's on Dallas. Like yeah, J.R. Ewing. Yeah, 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 sure. But he had an RJ. <laughs> what was the rest of the conversation? I don't know. I, I well, because then I was. I honestly. I get then lost in my own head. Like. This guy... How does he exist? Well, well, no, I was actually... I was more like, should I say something? Because, like... <laughs> no! Before, like, have you... Just poke your head around the curtain, like, have you... Is that on the certificate yet? Because, like, there's time to change it, and I, I was like, you know, maybe a nice guy would say, hey, it's actually J.R. Ewing, the, the, the person you want to name your kid after. It's not R.J., it's J.R., you know? And... But, but yeah, and you don't even know whether or not either one of them said anything. Yeah, so I was like, but I But the wife had to be in, are you, maybe he was kidding. No, he's, this guy. I think he's really funny and he was, he knew you were listening and he this, was pulling, he was pulling You like, are giving this, I. No, he's a scam. This was two days of this guy being a stupid guy. He was you playing, got, uh, he was playing punked. the long grift. You were getting punked the whole time. You got, <laughs> you were getting punked, I'm telling you. This is the best thing. So you wouldn't have said anything. No, the, right, that right, right. that uh, the uh, the kid's name is actually DJ after <laughs> after first challenge. That's how David Jabberbaugh got his name. He was named after that writer, that writer guy who's a recluse up in New Hampshire, fucking fucking eighteen year old writers for the New Yorker. That's a much better out. Tom okay. Ruprecht, thank you so much for joining us on the Writers Block. Say goodnight, Tom. Bye, RJ. Thank you. Oh man, did I have a lot of fun talking to Tom. I hope you all liked it. Coming soon to the podcast, are you ready? John Oliver, you heard right. I'm not making any promises, but I think he's going to tell us everything we could ever possibly want to know about his experience guest hosting The Daily Show. It's just a feeling I have, an inkling. Until then, here's a deep cut from the WBP archives. I'm taking you all the way back to episode two with guest Rachel Axler, whose first writing job was at The Daily Show 
but she moved on to sitcoms, and here's a little taste of why she did that. I was looking to write dialogue again, and also I started sort of really craving the idea of writing jokes about stuff that I was making up as opposed to stuff that was actually happening in the world. So like, instead of the source material being the news, I sort of wanted it to be like ridiculousness from my head. And trust me, that young lady's head is full of ridiculousness. Thank you to David Klatt, Pete Miser, Andrew Lynn, and Greg Duncan for all their help with the podcast, past, present, and future. I'm J.R. Havlin. This is Writer's Block Podcast. Thanks for listening. Say goodnight, blockheads. Thank you.